Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world. And welcome to Death by Pod, our little horror movie podcast where, fun enough, all we do is talk about horror movies. Who is the we? My name is Matt Hudson, the man who lurks in the shadows. And joining me as ever, this is the greatest co-host you could ever ask for, it's the Dame of Pain herself, it's Bloggy Balboa. How you doing, mate? Hello. I'm very good, thank you. That was nice. I was all night that intro. Good, we're feeling upbeat, aren't we? You know, we're feeling good nowadays. <laughs> what a time to be alive. That's it, exactly. Well, at least we are, I suppose. But um, uh, first things first, how are you doing? What have you eaten tonight? How am I doing? What have I eaten tonight? I'm doing good. I had microwave macaroni cheese and then I put olives from a jar into it. Holy fuck. I don't like macaroni and cheese and I don't like olives. Well, you don't like anything I eat, do you? Um, I like your, 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 like your, your freezer dinners, freezer tea, like a bit of the chicken. Oh, yeah, that. freezer dinners. Yeah, like yeah. Awesome jobbies. I like those. What did you eat? Uh, it's Wing Wednesday, isn't it? Uh, chicken wings, hot and spicy, like very spicy <laughs> chicken wings that blew my bottom off. And I made some chips as well. Um, bit of, bit of aromat, bit of seasoning. And um, I really enjoyed that. I'm a, I'm a right git when it comes to chicken wings. I could eat a whole bucket full. So, yeah. Chicken oh, okay. wings, which made a yeah, which which brought which made everything a bit better. I mean, we don't need to tell you guys out there. You're all I, I say suffering, but as long as we are, we're still in isolation. The world is still where it was. Of course, that's no laughing matter itself, so we wouldn't try and make light of that. But um, yes, isolation is sending us into a bit of a Jack Torrance from The Shining mode, where I'm starting to sharpen my axe. But thankfully, Death by Pod is here for us to vent and for you to listen. Hopefully, you enjoy it as well. And as I mentioned, it's our little show. We talk about one movie per episode. If you're new to the show, the main show, one film per episode, we dive into it, what we did like, what we didn't like, and we may even have a little fun during it as well. We always end with a spicy little game. So, Bloggy, let's not keep them waiting any longer. What the hell are we talking about this week? What the hell indeed? <laughs> it's Hellraiser. Ooh, see what I did there? The Razor of Hell. The Razor yes, of Hell. Yes, I did. <laughs> and before we go any further, we're going to get this in now. Spoiler warning for those who haven't seen Hellraiser. For those who haven't heard the show before, you'll know that sometimes it takes us half an hour to announce that. By that point, we've ruined the film. Spoiler warning. Go and watch the film. It's an hour and 39 minutes, I think. Go check it out. Come back, listen to us. And hopefully you'll agree with what we have to say. So, um, yeah, there's your spoiler warning. But uh, sorry, back to you, Bloggenald. Okay, well, now that uh, now the spoiler warning has been administered, yep. I'll let you know a little bit more about Hellraiser. It was directed by Clive Barker, released on the 10th of September 1987. It stars Claire Higgins as Julia Cotton, Ashley Lawrence as Kirsty Cotton, Andrew Robinson as Larry Cotton, Sean Chapman as Frank Cotton. It's <laughs> Dot Cotton in this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Robert Hines as Dot, no, as Steve Cotton. <laughs> Doug Bradley as lead Cenobite. Ha- oh, hashtag Pinhead. I don't know where the hashtag came from. You modernist, you. <laughs> forward slash. Nicholas Vince as the chattering Cenobite. Simon Bramford as Butterball. Grace Kirby as the female Cenobite, or as I know her, Vagina Throat. <laughs> uh, Oliver Smith as Skinless Frank. Oh, okay, yeah. Oli- yeah, I get it. Oliver Skin is skinless, Frank. Frank the Monster. What a lad. Oh, God, I can't even speak now. Oliver Smith. Jeez, yes. Oliver, Oliver Frank. Oliver Skin. Oliver, <laughs> Oliver Frank Skin the Monster. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, it's just isolation is driving us bananas. 
Should we just stop now? Because I think I've lost the ability to pod. Yeah, so here we are. The horror film is for, for 33 years old. Thanks for listening. You tell us what you think and we'll put it on next week's show. Play me out, keyboard cat. <laughs> there we go. So big old cast of people there. Most of them, however, don't do anything apart from chatter or have a vagina neck. And that's, of course, Grace Kirby. She's also known as something else. But for fear of um, being booted off the air, I shan't say uh, what it is. But, yes. I <laughs> yeah. know what that is. I know what it is. <laughs> what we got? We've got budget, $1 million. Made $20 million back in worldwide box office, which is not bad at all for a first-time director. They had 20 times your budget. Bosh. Rotten Tomatoes, 70% uh, critic rating, of course, and Metacritic, 57 which indicates mixed or average reviews. So... Uh, critically, it you know people thought it was pretty good, made a lot of money, but more importantly, Bloggernaud, take us away. What is it about your famous synopsis? It is about a young girl who struggles with a puzzle box. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. I'm not wrong. Do I need to elaborate, or are we just going to go um, with that? No, yeah, elaborate a bit more because it's always good to hear what you come up with off the cuff. All right, so she struggles with this puzzle box because um, it ate her uncle. (laughs) And then then some monsters fly out of it and one of them's got nails in his face and and then there's a lot of blood. Oh, the screens. The screens are so bad. (laughs) It's a really, really good horror film. Got some BDSM vibes to it. (laughs) Yeah. That's the synopsis. <laughs> yeah, basically, a girl can't open a box and lots of people like filthy sex. Yes, that's the... <laughs> Steph that by pod all over, that is. Yes, yeah, pretty much. Um, okay, so that's what it's all about. As you now know, there's your biggest spoiler warning. Filthy BDSM and a girl can't open a box. And a couple of people decide to move into a really shit-looking house in uh, London. Uh, so what we do, as I mentioned, we talk about what we like, what we didn't like. It's loosely structured it's basically a chat. So speaking of which, let's get let's get on with it. What did we think of the film straight up? Bloggy, Hellraiser, you've just said, but why were you a fan of this film? I I really, really like this film because it just it made me feel like no other film has made me feel before. Um even though like by the time that I'd watched it, some of the effects weren't that good, like the lightning <laughs> wasn't that great, but I just thought it was great. I thought that um, the characters were really well done. I thought the way that it built the tension and just the Cenobites themselves, they're absolutely terrifying. Yeah, you got the iconic pinhead. I remember going into a, a model shop with my dad because he builds these models like planes and that in Guildford when I was a little nipper in the uh, Friary Centre. That's hard to say when you can't pronounce your R's very well. Um, and they're in at the back, they'd have like film or like icons of cinema and one of them was Pinhead, but and I was only about seven at the time, or six, seven, so I had no idea about Hellraiser. But I remember seeing that this Hellraiser guy, and I was like, "This looks terrifying." It scared me as a kid, just like the word Hellraiser and this guy with these pins sticking out of his head. It scared me, man, and, and that was a kid. So I really, so when I first got to see the film, I went in with that knowledge, and I, I I've got a weird relationship with this film because the first time I saw it, I really dug it, I really thought it was decent, and then. I watched it again a couple of years ago, and I was like, actually, this is a bit pap, actually. I wasn't a massive fan, but then I re-watched it literally last night in preparation for this show, and I went back around to it. I was like, this is actually pretty good, actually. I quite enjoy this as a, like, for what it is, like this 
weird horror, seminal horror, uh, classic horror, but it is like a different type of horror because I saw a lot of people saying, well, it's horror, but it's really different. It takes different directions, blah, blah. And I was like, does it? And then rewatching it, I was like, you know, actually it is a bit different, especially for what's coming out at the time. So yeah, I'm a fan of this film, but did you, rec- did you, do you agree that it is like a, a quite unquite different type of horror film? I think that um, I think that it's different in the sense of it's kind of more of a religious horror to me. Um, but usually, when people deal with religious horrors, it's you know possessions and you know stuff like all the nun or something like that. Whereas <laughs> the Cenobites are kind of like they're a religion onto themselves, but an evil religion, you know. And it's just. Yeah. Um, and it's not too weird either. I think that's um, a lot of films like this that try to explore all these themes, you know, a bit like um, Nymphomaniac or whatever. Yes. They just get a little bit weird after a while, whereas this one is a perfect blend of horror and, you know, body horror and sexuality and stuff. I just think it rocks. Yeah, it, it, it straddled the line, straddled, of um, where it could have just got like really like messed up and really down a rabbit hole. And the order, the Cenobites, in the book, the book um, Clive Barker wrote was called The Hellbound Heart. This is what this is based on. In the book, the Cenobites, <laughs> they're members of the Order of the Gash. So that's what they are an order of. And I'm glad they didn't mention that in the film because that would have just added to a few moments, <laughs> which I'm going to mention later on, which took me out of the film. But yeah, the Order of the Gash, man. Um, so yeah, I agree that it could have gone a bit weird, but it kind of stayed... Not mainstream, but it stayed just about on the level. But it, it definitely was a weirder horror film to come out in an, in an era of uh, the 80s, like the classic 80s films. This this one does stand apart slightly because of its body horror and overt use of just sex and sexuality and sexual misdemeanors and that. And um, I like it. It's great. I think it's all right. Um, so positive. What do we what do we like? Let's do, like we do. We start off with what are some of the things which you dug about Hellraiser? I really, really like the relationship between um, Larry and his wife, whose name I can't Julia. remember now. Julia, that's it. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, lo- I loved how strained it was. It was just so frightfully cold, just throughout. Really, I mean, the only time that she was ever warm to him was when she was trying to bloody kill him. <laughs> that's true. That it, it, uh, she, it was the only time that she was nice to him was when she was lying to him or trying to murder him. Yep. And I think it all just builds and builds. And, she, you know, she does all that sort of creepy looking over the banisters and creeping about. And I I really like, uh, yeah, I really I really like that shit marriage. <laughs> I think it's, it's that's been really nicely. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think much the first time I watched it of Andrew Robinson, though. Um, no? Now I've warmed to him a lot, but I remember the first time I watched it, I was just a bit like, hmm. He's a bit but then wet, when he, he plays Frank gets a bit better yeah yeah because um larry larry cotton and andy robinson he's kind of he's like a really nice wholesome bloke he's like obviously he's daughter first um family first you know he's he's always really positive whereas julia is a lot more cynical and we find out why because one of the first things i thought about this film was they really go heavy every time he mentioned every time frank mentions sorry larry mentions his brother frank you know his um his naughty brother it always cut to Julia's face and she sort of looked down to the floor or pull a face. And I was like, they're really sort of giving away that she, she's hiding something. But then that's really quickly. Then that was like within the first 10 or 15 minutes, they actually resolved that by, you know, saying that they had a relationship, she had a relationship with um, 
with Frank, Larry's brother Frank. So, um, but originally I was like, why are they giving away such a pop, plot point already? So, like, so obviously, but yeah, they they clear that one up. But I agree, yeah, I like their relationship. It's clear that it's it's a one way street. And um, Ashley Lawrence's character, who's Kirsty, she's her film debut. Ashley Lawrence, she's got a strained relationship with Julia as well because throughout the film. Larry's saying, you know, come on, at least can you at least try or try to make friends? So you start to wonder, like, why what what the hell is this dynamic that if Larry's like desperately trying to please Julia, he's also trying to get his daughter to like her. So how on earth is this working in the first place? Yeah, he's very much a man on the brink the whole way through the film, yeah. isn't he? And it is like um I mean, I suppose like I did this scene where She's remembering the night with Frank and they're pushing, like, you know, the marriage bed up the stairs. Yes. And there's the, the shot, reverse shot of, like, well, her having, like, what looks like the roughest ride of her life and them trying to shove this mattress up the stairs. Thrusting the mattress. Think, yeah. It's so, like, ooh, sexy mattress time. Um, but I just, yeah, it's that, it's that opposite of like, you sh- one minute you shagged my brother, the next minute you're getting into my bed and we're happily married. And there's all that kind of, it's just opposites the whole way through the film. It's kind of like opposite weird moments where yeah. people are being pushed and pulled, much like Larry. <laughs> much like Lazar. But there's that moment where, it's in that same part as well, where um, uh, Julius thinking about the... Um, the seduction of Frank. Basically, Frank just gets pissed and just, just basically lays it on her. <laughs> she just, just he turns up it. soaking wet first. Like, he turns up soaking wet and he's like, do you have, and he's like, can, you, can I come in? And he's like really sort of like rough with her, isn't he? He's like really sort of abrasive. Yeah. He's not I'm like, brother pretending. Frank. That's it. Are you going to let me in or not? And then he just looks at her. Do you have a towel? And then yeah, the way he says towel is really weird towel. as well, isn't it? Like, That's it. I always remember that. <laughs> Towel, and uh, whilst yeah, whilst whilst they're writing in her flashback, um, Frank's coming. Larry, I can't, I can't get this right. Larry is coming up the stairs, and he can see his hand like inching closer to a nail. Um, so whilst she's getting penetrating and getting closer and closer, he screams because he just um, sliced his hand open at the same time that she blows her load. And again, it's that kind of like juxtaposition, and that's that kind of like parallel. Which and then Frank just keeps going so stupid. So stupid, so stupid. He keeps walking off. I can't remember. He says about eight or nine times. So stupid. Because <laughs> um, originally I thought, what's a complete turd? Because he walks in like, on her upstairs, holding his hand out like my three-year-old, four-year-old daughter would. If she hurt herself, he's looking at her like, huh. I was like, dude, oh, you're yeah, a grown man. Queasy, doesn't but then, yeah, but then he's like, oh, I don't like blood. I was like, thank God. Because I literally was like, you are. Because before that, the the leches who are bring up the bring up the bed are like, oh, gunny beer. She's like, yes, we do. They're, they're in the fridge, and um, and Frank gets all, uh, Larry gets all arsy because he's like, well, I guess I'll go and get them then. And I was like, and so yeah. he, he he kind of relies on her for everything. Yeah, their relationship is very odd. Yeah. Um, they just they, it just doesn't seem like they would get like she's all proper eighties power dressing. She's got some shoulder pads on, yeah. dressed like Cilla Black. Earrings. Yeah, she looks really city, and then he's like moved her to like. Some place in Norfolk, and she's like, "Why?" It's in Brent, in London, like Wembley Way. Oh, is it? I yeah. thought it was like in the countryside. No, the, the house is still there, actually. Um, obviously, but so it's an actual house. But it's in Brent, in in near Wembley Way, in London. Did you go there as a youth? No, I didn't actually. Me and my mates didn't take a pilgrimage there. Uh, I try not That's to go to Wembley. Name. No disrespect to anyone who lives in Wembley. 
you didn't get to recreate the uh, the mattress scene then. No, no I didn't get to gone. thrust with my mates. <laughs> shame. What a shame. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, that, that scene that you were talking about where he did the, the nail, well, the nail and the nail, I guess we could call it that. Those, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's that, that, that just, right from the word go, that's the whole film. You know, it's pleasure and pain. It's this mixture yeah. of, like, Frank is born out of her coitus and the and his brother's blood you know it's kind of um come is thicker than water i guess is what they're trying to say it's a tagline (laughs) (laughs) why wasn't that on the poster for good sake (laughs) you'll see that you would have seen that on the social graphic this week yeah come is thicker than water i'll see it next week when i forgot i said it and i was like oh god that's what my professional career down the toilet (laughs) yeah i'll make sure i tag you in that particular Um, the whole film about pleasure and pain it's like the Cenobites deliver that so I get you mentioned the blood and that what did you reckon about the whole reanimation of the corpse and that because I didn't mind it I actually thought to start with the effects of bringing um, Frank back were pretty boss actually I thought they looked pretty good and one of the the images of him like crawling along the floor to Julia was terrifying I thought I really did think that was terrifying and like the hands coming from the floorboard with the weird like spine thing attached to the brain I actually thought that was pretty decent effects for its time yeah i think the, the the beginning part where he's got the eyes and all of that it looked a bit like morph you know kind of <laughs> like a plasticine. what was yeah. morph on uh itv it was it was like the plasticine was wasn't like he art attack or something art like attack. it was before yeah. art attack or in between in the middle of it yeah yeah it was so yeah, i can't remember what it was smart or something wasn't it but um smart smart but yeah, it just looked a bit kind of like Nick Parks. It just looked a bit, mm. but then it, it obviously redeems itself by the time that he's got his vertebrae. Because he crawls across the floor to Julia to grab her. He grabs her and he's like, don't look at me. Yeah. And he's like, like, Julia, don't look at the moisture reanimated corpse who's talking to you. See, one thing you would look at in a, in a desolate room was like the thing that just grabbed you and crawled out of the shadows, the undead. Um, He's like but, Christina Aguilera at the start of Beautiful. Don't look at me. <laughs> Don't look at me. <laughs> if, if, if someone can just like reanimate that with um, Frank from Hellraiser, I'd love that. <laughs> you are beautiful. I think, I think actually, I think the makeup looks all right in darker scenes, like smaller moments, but certain parts of it do show up as a bit, yeah, a bit, a bit pap. Um, so I didn't mind yeah. the effects and the reanimation. I thought it looked quite good. They're having a party at one point, like a housewarming party. And um, Ashley, I keep forgetting her name now, Kirsty Cotton, Ashley Lawrence, she, she fancies one of the guys there and he puts a fag in his mouth, a cigarette in his mouth. And um, she starts frothing about it. And then she, and then she says to the guy, you know, st- you know, he's pouring her wine. He's like, well, that's enough. I won't be able to stand. And this guy goes, so lay down. And Larry, her father, just looks like he's going to high five him and join in. It's yeah. really weird. Like, if that was me, I'd be like, "Settle down, man. So you know, back off." I do. I don't know. I I got the impression that they'd already been together the first time I watched it, but on other viewings, I'm really not sure what the no. relationship is with them at all, and why I was so happy about it. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because just doesn't he like flick it back into his mouth? That's it. Yeah, he puts it. In, he put. He has it in his chops. Yeah, and then he kind of flicks, flicks it in. in. the traditional way and then flicks it. Yeah, and she starts, starts biting her lip and starts like quivering. It's really odd. There was a kid at my school that could do that. Did you bite your lip and quiver? 
No, no, I didn't. It was actually, I was just jealous because it was an insanely handy gift to have if you smoked at school. Yeah. <laughs> he would just like go mm, and just kind of take his cigarette and just have it in his mouth. And yeah, I guess no one spoke to him. I about to say, as long as, as long as you haven't got a line up and you're thinking, shit, I've got another minute of keeping this in my gob. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I like, oh, there's loads of stuff, man, I liked about this film. When the idea that Julia has to go out to mention dress like Cilla Black on the, pr- on the prowl for male meat... And she's seducing these guys, like the first one, seducing the guy in the bar. He gets really angry with her because she doesn't want to do it. She's like, I have to do it. And then he gets in his tighty whities and she bashes him with a hammer. I like kind of, I like that, like the, that idea of it. This is what I mean, like a weird horror film because everything we just mentioned, none of it seems like it should fit. People move into a house, dead brothers upstairs, blood, reanimates himself, boyfriend, qu- uh, girl quivers at boyfriend, cigarette, woman could seduce his blokes to reanimate corpse. It doesn't sound like it should work, but it does. Yeah. Yeah, it's all um I think it's it's kinda of like five different films in one and none of those films end the way you think they're going to. And I think no. that's <laughs> that's yeah. the brilliance of Hellraiser though. It's kind of got that it's got the ghostly element to it, it's got the body horror, the fact that he's come back all messed up looking and he's reanimated and then you've got this kind of femme fatale gothic, you know, leading the victims back, but then there's also just a smuttering of Lady Chatterley's lover in there as well, and it's yes. brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's a um, great show, a breath of fresh air. I think it's um, it's such a refreshing, well, not refreshing, I guess, because it's so bloody old. But it's <laughs> such a shame that you know, like torture porn or whatever and stuff yeah. like that didn't, because this is still torture porn, but it's just on such a. I guess it was in its infancy. This was the one of the first times that it got mainstream. But it's such yeah. a shame that other horror movies can't take those sort of like subtle um, intricacies that are in Hellraiser and kind of replicate it. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I think no, I'm I don't know what you're saying. I, I, I hate to everything. use the word artistic, but, like, but it is it is on like a certain. There is an artistic license to the film. It isn't just you know smut. And gore and like like blood and guts and everything. There is there's some there's like a restrained kind of like artistic fury to it. Where if it if he really wanted to, I'm sure Clive, if he had the budget, I'm sure Clive Barker could have and would have gone bigger in some of his scenes. But mm-hmm. I, I know what you mean. That this is kind of like the, the one of the original or the birth of modern torture porn. But then obviously like the the two thousands people like Eli Roth and that. Not to single him out, but took the ball around with it, but like kind of lost the point of what they were going for and went, went for the visual rather than the, the feeling, I guess. Yeah. I think this kind of like, um, I mean, it, it reminds me a lot of the matrix. I think just the aesthetic of it, the way yes. that it looks, well, the matrix reminds me of Hellraiser, I should say. Um, yes. And I think also this, the sub reading for the matrix being about, you know, coming out and um, being trans and stuff. And the use of leather in the movie, and then linking that back to Hellraiser with the, you know, it was really, I think it was really riffing off the Vivian Westwood that happened in the 70s with the rise of sort of BDSM and punk and, um, yeah, the Cenobites and Morpheus and mm-hmm. all of that. I think they've, I think if they met, they'd have a whale of a time. Wicked <laughs> time, wouldn't they? Can you imagine them getting on like a house on fire? I think Agent Smith would never chance. No, um, he wouldn't. Pinhead. I can't do his voice. Um, Mr. Anderson. 
<laughs> that was okay, but not Pinhead. That was terrible. What about the Cenobites then? Because they are Pinhead is like iconic, even though he's called Pinhead. He's he's like the iconic um, Cenobite. He you, you see Pinhead immediately. He's that guy from Hellraiser. Even if you haven't seen the film, I mean, I was I was um, turned on to that when I was a kid. Not turned on, but when I saw the saw the, oh, the yeah. yeah, I loved it when I was a six year old. Seeing that um, like model scale model. I was immediately knew that this guy was from something called Hellraiser, and like the 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 poster and the and the VHS DVD and all that, it's just him and the box. It's synonymous with one each other. It was like symbiotic together. Cinnabot, so Cinnabites in this film. Then, what did you think of them? Were they a presence? What about their makeup and how they looked? And old vagina neck, the the fat one, butterball and chatter teeth. I think that they, I think they stand up very well. And like you say, it's. Um... I mean, even when I was a kid and like, bloody God, what would it have been? By the time I was going to Blockbusters and having conscious thoughts, it would have been like 96 maybe. <laughs> and I remember Hellraiser being in there. Yeah, So exactly. I got a similar thing to you. Like, I, I knew who he was before I'd really met him. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the fact that it was still there, you know, God, knocking 10 years later, it's just one of those films. You know, it, it, he is like Freddy and all the rest of it, but I think the pinhead's a bit more than that. I think that he, um, I think he's got more presence than all of them, and people are probably going to hate me for that. But I just think if I was going to get killed by any of them, I'd much rather get killed by Freddy or, you know, mm-hmm. Halloween guy Michael Myers rather than Pinhead. Because fuck that shit, he's terrifying. Yeah, well, Pinhead's just quiet. He's just like he's just calm. He's like the he's like Zen. He's like evil yeah, he's Zen. Like your dad. It's like when your dad would get angry. Your mum would walk around shouting all day and you'd be yep. like, yeah, whatever. And then your dad would get involved and you'd be like, shit, I've really got to pull my socks up now. <laughs> That's it. I, can, I always remember it when he, when, he, when he said, son, we're explorers in the further regions of experience. And I was like, what does that mean? And he said, oh, eat your dinner. If you don't, we'll tear your soul apart. So, like, dad, that's pretty full on, man. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, that is... I mean, the worst that mine said to me was I... Tell you this, I fell over. We were going to the park and I fell over and I cut my knee up really, really badly. I was crying my eyes out and he just he picked me up and he went, Oh no tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. <laughs> <laughs> were you buying any of that? Did you think I really had a story to tell? G- genuinely believe that there was a box and you open it and he came. Oh, well, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> that's, how that, that's how you're conceived. Um <laughs> <laughs> no, move, move, moving on from that film. I'll save that one for my therapist. I like the Cenobites. I I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of them, but I also like the restraint and the fact that you didn't see anything of them at all. They were just this mysterious presence that turned up when they needed to. They weren't they weren't hiding in the background of all the shots. Um, they were there in like what two or three scenes, and that was it. That was all that was necessary. Whether that was story. Uh, based on or budget based, I don't know. Don't care because it worked. But the characters are cool enough for me want to want to see them again. Um, yeah, I don't. Um, I'll save some of the things what I didn't like, but yeah, because they also had that like scorpion penis monster thing as well, which yes. was like the centipede like dog. Yeah, that thing was absolutely well. That thing was a bit naff. Actually, I forgot about that little gremlin. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't look that great, did it? it but it, no. that was not the least my least enjoyable centipede. No, that was the way they edited it as well, like the shots to try and they just kept using the same one of him rushing from the side, which I noticed as well. For, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the Cenobites yeah, were a win from us. Good. I don't know. I, I like you mentioned Julia and 
Larry's relationship, I've got to get that right. I also like Julia and Frank's relationship, where I actually get, I, I believe that those two would run off, because, again, they are, like, complete opposites. But, mm. like, every time, like, um, Frank sticks out his, like, bleeding, muscly digit, and Julia puts it in her mouth and all that, I was like, there was, like, a chemistry oh, yeah. there, which I believed, even though it was like, Ugh. But there's a chemistry I believe from them. So I actually think those two worked well together, despite, like, obviously in film being polar opposite. Well, yeah, I mean, as questionable as the sex scene is when they're, you know, both alive, um, (laughs) it's pretty pretty sexy. It's pretty sexy sex that they have there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. that's that's some great sex if you like a cigarette. Yeah, Yeah, that was brilliant. He likes a fag when he's, like got his exposed muscles and I was like that's gonna hurt as well yeah it's kind of but even that like it just reminded me of kind of like the smoking guy from the x-files and you know there's a lot of like there's a lot of little scenes in this that just remind me of other things and I'm like this film's just got a bit of everything hasn't it it's got a bit of like you know oh listen sonny I'm in the parking lot and I've got some info you know and then like <laughs> just takes like this bloody envelope out of his pocket and it's like got a bit of his like nipple on it and he's like oh sorry about that I would love to see like a 50s remake. Of, yeah, like a, like a uh, what is it, like a lethal weapon, not lethal weapon, like a naked gun. <laughs> Jack Lemmon starts talking like, listen here, Sonny, you're going to come with me to my house so I can bludgeon you and feed you to Leslie my Nielsen, he's peanut <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. You wouldn't need to put him in a bald cap. You just make his face white, and the hair would do the rest. <laughs> yeah, and stick some tin tacks in his face. <laughs> you, we might be even though we're rest in peace, Leslie Nielsen. We could have been onto something there. <laughs> yeah. the fact that he's it's a away. box full of pain and pleasure, but that's not important right now. Yeah, don't call me Shirley. That's it. What's <laughs> it? Sex, sex, Frank. No, not no, 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 right now. Um, I you love. I, I, I love to just. Prison? I love to just do a naked gun. I love naked gun. It's what enough guilty pleasure. It's not even a guilty pleasure. It's just an absolute pleasure. Unlike the fil- the ones that Pinhead gets, naked gun is just pure pleasure. Even like going yeah. forward into like the thirty three and the third, it's still quite good. Nice beaver. Um, what about what about the homeless <laughs> guy that sort of shows up? What do you think about that kind of little uh, thread? He's hysterical, isn't he? I yeah. don't know what the hell's going on there. So I think that it's that he's so the guy that sells in the box at the beginning. Yeah. I think that's supposed to be him. Right. So, like, the guy that sells in the box is actually this monster that, like, transports the box around and gives it to people that it's chosen. Right. I think there is some kind of backstory to it. But, yeah, he rocks up as a homeless guy, just starts eating some locusts or whatever they are. Or That's it. Sticking sticks out the pet shop. And she's just staring at him. like, And I love that bit as well because her reaction to it is just that she's just going to stand there and stare at him and be like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't necessarily think, like, I should probably phone security because this is a Hellraiser monster in disguise. But... Yeah, you would just be like, oh. <laughs> I would anyway. Absolutely. But yeah, and then he did that the way that it. Well, we're skipping forward now, aren't we? But his last appearance at the end, I thought that was that bit always makes me laugh. Oh, I've got. Me, I'm going to save that film. bit for later on, mate. All right. I'm going to save that for section number two. Um, yeah, the homeless guy just kind of turns up. Yeah, I, I, I on um, Kirsty Ashley Lawrence. Um, obviously, she's um, she's extremely attractive. That side, I think she's good in this film. It's her first film. I thought she was she was all right. She she's the final girl, pretty much. And she mm. went on to become a scream queen in this franchise, which I'm sure we'll mention again. Um, but what about um, Ashley Lawrence? I thought she was okay in this. 
Yeah, no, I thought I did, I thought she was really good. The the scene where she first meets the the Cenobites in the uh, in the hospital room. Yeah, is it in a hospital? Yeah, uh, she's in a like hospital. A, I, I, I couldn't tell if it's a hospital or like a psych psych ward. Yeah, she's she's in somewhere. She's in an institution somewhere. <laughs> but she, <laughs> you know, and I thought she was really good in that bit. I mean, that that whole scene. If I can expand on that scene a bit, I thought it was absolutely amazing. So like the TV turns on and she's like freaking out when the walls are changing and stuff and there's a red flower on the TV and then blood runs up the drip and then there's like this white flower coming into bloom and it goes back to her and she's got this brilliant white shirt on and then the drip just kind of like explodes but it's like it's sexual (laughs) it's like it's like the flowers like this her like pure lily white fanny and then the drip just kind of explodes and it's like ah, now you've it's kind of like she's opening pandora's box Mm -hmm. like she's kind of opened it up and all of her sexual fetishes have come out and it's um just that one scene with the drip and everything it's just you know and then they say yeah you know pain and pleasure is indistinguishable I just thought the craft of it was absolutely brilliant and her acting in it. And the way that guy, like, he grabs her throat and then puts his fingers in her mouth yeah. and you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it could have been, talking about her acting that, it could have been, like, really naff. But, like, she could have been really yeah. over the top in her panic. But I think she was, she did actually handle that really well and believable as well. It wasn't, it wasn't, like I say, it was, like, screaming panic. It was, like, frightened panic. And, it's, and you really get to see the... The Cenobites now, and I love their entrance. How they come in, like the like the light coming through the slats and the floorboards and the smoke. It's it's effective. I quite enjoy that, and um, I agree. When I watched it yesterday, I was noticing the on the TV it kept flicking to the flower, or something else would be on, and then the flower would come on. And I was thinking that mm. you know, that's got to have some more meaning to it. And I think you've just quite eloquently summed it up there. Um, but yeah, I, I like I like the scene for pretty much the same reasons, but also just for just for that power that this gang have, that the Cenobites have, they don't, they, they don't run, you know, they don't, they don't scream. They just walk and, and Pinhead will, he'll talk to you calmly. You know, he'll, he's, you know, yeah. he, he likes a soliloquy, but they are absolutely terrifying. And that scene is great. Even though you get like the weird monster thing, chasing her down the hall and that looked shit. I do think that, I do honestly think, that again, that was yeah, that, yeah, budgetary that was problems, and that they just kept reusing the same shot. That looked pap, but yeah, once you get back into the ward and you get those connotations and you get those visual metaphors and the fact that there's that utter peril, it's a you know it's, it's like home run after home run. Plus, like you say, the acting is great, and the and the bad guys are believable as well. They are not campy and hammy; they are terrifying. Like in their in their zen like state, they are terrifying, and I, I liked all of the Cenobites throughout the film actually I mentioned them earlier on but I just thought I'd mention that even like the butterball doesn't do anything he's just like a glob of this disgustingness the chattering one always makes me terrified just because of his teeth and the lady yeah. Cenobite I always thought for the first time I saw I thought she was the lead because she's the first one you see um, coming mm. through to get Frank she's the first one you see then you see Pinhead so I thought originally she was going to have a bigger role but she does get quite a bit of a, of, of a role but yeah that scene is is great and I like there's also that kind of tension and foreboding where she says, you know, Frank Cotton, he he escaped you. I can lead you to him. And they're like, What's and what's that gonna do with anything? And you know, he escaped you and they're like, Okay, if, if what you say is true, maybe, maybe you will spare your soul. And you don't actually fully believe that they will do. 
And then, like Pinhead says, you know, we're angels to some, demons to others. If we'll tear your soul apart. In that scene, the dialogue is just spot on. I love how he just deals in oxymorons, you know, angels to some, demons to yeah. other, pleasure and pain. He's basically like horrors Romeo. Yeah. He's very Shakespearean, kind of like, you know, loving hate and all that shit that he comes out with. Yeah. It's, um, but again, that's that's a guy that's so painfully in love that he can't control himself. Mm. And it's this the, the kind of like the hurt of love. And it's all very, yeah, everything about them is um, is contradictory to what they should be. Even the fact that they're, they've got white skin and black clothes on. Yeah. It's just the opposites, these polar extremes. The yin and yang, complete, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, like they've got like this Zen quality to them. Yeah. Well, like, or, just but to... like with the backlight, it's just I think they're I think they're supposed to be religious in some way. I think Cenobites, they are a religious thing. I don't I know. know. I'm gonna I'm gonna bow to you on that one. Yes. Okay. So a Cenobite is like a monk, basically. Really? That's really interesting because um, you know they're the kind that live in solitary or. You know, they don't, you know, they're like diehard monks kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, monks were really sexually repressed. They weren't allowed to masturbate. Mm-hmm. They weren't allowed to do anything like that. And then, obviously, monks used to, um, oh, fuck. Monks used to self flagellate themselves. Ugh. So that, Pain. oh my God. The Cenobites. Imagine, imagine. Not me. We've just had a, we've just had a film theory like breakthrough. I bet someone's already wrote it. Doesn't matter. We're, we're taking it. We're claiming it. Imagine going to. I'm like, going to take it. Imagine going to like, your Quakers meeting and they're like, "Oh, we'll just wait five more minutes for the Cenobites to arrive." You think, "Fuck that!" <laughs> the word Cenobite is Greek. It's two Greek words that mean common and life. Common and life. But uh, I'm trying to find a link there. Life. They weren't really very common. They're the opposite of that. They're very, they're very upper class. One of them was, anyway. Yeah, Two of them were. Are. Well, that's what Cenobite means in Greek, anyway. But in a religious sense, they are religious, sexually repressed, you know, people that like to hit themselves. <laughs> well, they don't like to. They just have to. They, have to. they want to wank very much. We have such sights to show you. Um, himself flagellating, obviously. That's another great line as well. They get all the coolest lines in this film, and there are some which yeah, are awful, which we'll probably mention in a minute. But... Um, uh, anything else which you? I mean, there's loads of little details. I mean, but was there anything else which stood out to you? Um, no, I did. I did um, the bit that you were talking about when they say that they they might they might spare or they might not. It's the bit where she says, "Oh, Frank, you know, Frank got away. I can give him to you." And the the lady one's like, well, "Maybe we prefer you." That's it. And I was like, "Oh God!" Like that bit gave me goosebumps. Yeah. First time I see it, I was like, "Oh Jesus, what if they do prefer her?" Yeah, it's like that's a get out of jail card ripped up in front of you. Yeah, um, it's yeah, it's a scary. They're a scary bunch, aren't they? Really, I wouldn't want to bump into them in an alleyway or even in a dark in in a light room either. I wouldn't like to bump into them anywhere if possible. So if I do, <laughs> if I do see the um, the lament configuration, as the box is known, I'm going to kick it into the canal. Um, there's a couple of other like, little fun things. For some reason, Larry just murmurs in his sleep. There's a Kirsty dreams of a body like covered in feathers, which then which starts to bleed. I thought that was a wicked visual. Oh uh, yeah, like, and there's like a baby crying. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and she's like um, either side of her is, is these two big old candles, um, and it just looks really ethereal and eerie. And I really like that because I was trying to work it yesterday. What was the point of that scene? And even now, I'm thinking, what really was the point of that scene? But 
it, it, it just added to that kind of like WTF, like what's, what's going on here? Uh, and I really, really like those visuals. Um, I think, I'm sure there, there was another one. Um, what about, before we move on, what about the scene where Julie and Larry were about to get it on? You know, La- Julie does not want Larry to go upstairs into the um, the rooms at the top because that's where Frank is and all these bodies. So she yeah. tries to seduce him and you know he's he's thrusting on top of like dry humping her on top. And La- but Larry's in the wardrobe and she sees him and he approaches her. But what about that scene? And how much she goes, I can't bear it. I can't bear it any longer. Yeah, that scene, um, that scene's really strange, like, in a, well, just, I think, I think it's strange, and I think it's quite chilling, but I also, I'm not too sure, I think it's, I guess it's just a marker for the fact that he is obviously gonna, he's obviously gonna have his day at some point soon, isn't he, but Frank's gonna kill him, mm-hmm. but, um, I, mean, I felt really sorry for, I felt really sorry for Larry in that scene. Yeah, because he, he's just like I didn't do anything wrong. Like he didn't do anything wrong with the whole film, other than like weirdly <laughs> agreeing with a bloke who's going to lay his Larry. daughter down. Yeah, um, but Larry, like old Larry, he's just a nice guy, isn't he? He, says he wants the best for everyone, and even when he's going to get his end away, even then he's just like I don't, I don't understand you. you know, is it is it's not it's not me, is it is you type moment. But poor old Larry, and then um, then he gets proper brucked, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. That whole that bit where he's like. The whole like come to daddy and then it like slows it down. And he's like, Grr, yeah. Grr, Grr, <laughs> and she's just like, oh. It sounds like me trying to order a taxi when I was like nineteen on the lash. Going <laughs> Yeah, some of the some of those moments like artistic ideas were ridiculous. Dick. Yeah. Yeah, those. <laughs> I'm gonna say that to my nipper tomorrow. Come to daddy. <laughs> and I'll film it. It's just the fact that he keeps saying it over and over <laughs> again as well. He's like, come to daddy. <laughs> yes, and it, like you've just said, it's like, daddy. He says daddy really daddy. as well. He does. They say, they say things weird, like they say, towel. towel. Will you get daddy's towel? Daddy. And then it's just like you're trying to hide the fact that you're not her daddy, yet you then look at her, sneer, and go, come to daddy. But why not just carry on the pretense that you're not? That you are daddy, even though you're kind of like a more rough and ready daddy. I read that um, <laughs> Frank's audio was re-recorded by someone else. Apparently, oh, really? apparently, to make the film more accessible in America, they wanted the film to echo America, like visually look a bit like America, even though it couldn't look any more British. But apparently, Frank's voice was dubbed for it to be an American guy, so it'd be more commercially accessible. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get. Confirmation on that, but I've seen that twice written down. That's um, that would explain why he his just the way he speaks seems a bit weird. Daddy, daddy. Yeah, if it's true, I was like, well, why not just hire an American guy to do it? Because Sean Chapman, who plays Frank Cotton, is is English, I believe. So why not just get an American guy to do it rather than having this guy go through the you know the rigmarole of doing his job only to be told actually we're only going to do use half of your performance. Yeah, that is a bit weird. I mean, maybe, well, I don't know, maybe his American accent or his, maybe, yeah, maybe his accent was just shit. Maybe this wasn't, maybe, maybe he wasn't like, maybe when he said come to daddy, he said it too normal for their liking. (laughs) Maybe he wasn't even saying come to daddy. Maybe he was saying something completely different, like. (laughs) Go on. I've got to go. (laughs) Put two sugars, please. 
Uh, <laughs> so, um, I think that's basically ma- the main um, story point. Should we mention before we the okay before we move on the the end of the film, like the final like main act, is it? This will decide whether we, when we talk about it, a thumbs up or thumbs down. What for just the the end of the, the film. kind of like third act reveal that like we just mentioned the whole from come to daddy onwards. Um, no, I think it's still a thumbs up. Well, let's talk about it now then. In the, in in the, as the last bit of the positives, then go on. The end yeah, of the film. Um, I think it's um the fact that he he tr- he also tries to kind of like shag Kirsty, doesn't he? Which is yes. a bit which is a bit weird. Yes. Um, but then he kind of accidentally kills Julia, which is and just does not give two fucks about it and just I wasn't says. Sure oh, we did it on purpose or not? Because I know she she um that Kirsty like, clearly dives out of the way, but the fact that he's just like nothing personal, babe. Uh, is he that much, is he that that desperate for for like blood and to be reanimated that he'll take um, Julia's life instead? I wasn't sure it was a mistake at first, but turns out he didn't care. Yeah, it was. It- it was quite a shocking moment because you do kind of think, like, God, are they going to ride off into the sunset together? And mm-hmm. you think, well, seeing as he's only stabbed her, he could probably he could probably sort her out. But instead, he's just like, oh, fuck it, I'll just drain your life force and take <laughs> you in. You know, You'll do, and then I'll fine. do her. Yeah, it was all very like because I guess his uh, his skin suit isn't quite a hundred percent because she kind of yeah. scratches him, doesn't she? And it upsets his. Yes, he kind of yeah, it upsets his the equilibrium of his face. They get that, and then then there's then obviously the, the Cenobites come for for Frank, and he's chained up, and he licks his lips and says, "Jesus wept." And then um, Steve, the boyfriend, turns up, um, and they're fighting off the Cenobites, and of course he burns the house down, and also finds out, of course, that yeah, that Larry's dead. So um, I I didn't mind the end, and I think vis- the visuals let it down. But again, it's I, we've mentioned it so many times in these older films, you never know where to stand. But however. You know, it's what it is. The visuals look naff for me in the end of the film uh, when the Cenobites are being banished. Um, I I thought it, I, I liked... I, I liked the fact that when they took Frank and tore him apart, basically, just ripped him to pieces, they then were just like, no, we are still going to take you, Kirsty. There wasn't a, oh, these guys actually, actually have got a bit of heart and a bit of um, positivity, goodness to them. They're still like, no, we're going to take you with us. But the way she fought them off felt very abrupt to me. Like, you know, just tur- turned the box a few times. Bosh, you're gone. Steve turns up and literally acts like nothing's just happened, which I thought was awful. But I'll just mention that again. But I didn't mind the ending. Um, so, the, yeah, so the things I did like about the ending were, yeah, the Cenobites taking Frank when he's about to kill Kirsty. They take him, but then they still turn on her, turn on her anyway. And I like the fact that they went there and killed her dad. They killed Larry. I like that they did that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I I thought that it was going to be oh, Kirsty and Larry will survive. They'll move back to Brooklyn and they'll be fine. But no, they they, they completely did him over. Yeah, they really did, didn't they? I mean, there wasn't a dog, was there? So they had to go with the human Labrador of Larry instead. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So yeah, he was pretty much like a lap dog anyway, wasn't he? Julia, can I get you another beer? Julia, Julia, are you okay, it. Julia? Julia? Well, <laughs> oh. Are you coming down? There's, there's no rush. <laughs> All right, mate. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's what I did like about the ending. Shall we move on to what we didn't like about the film in general and start with the ending parts? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I didn't like the fact that at the end, Steve's just like, okay, well, nothing weird happened there when they're standing in the rain, just sort of like these demons from hell have just tried to kill my missus. But oh well, I'll just, I'll just, we just literally just like 
come on, can we go back to mine house now and do it? Um, I didn't like that. <laughs> well, yeah, he's I, just he's in it for the... He, he only slept with her once or whatever, and now he's being dragged into this unholy drama. But even then, he's just, he's just, just kind of like... Player. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so maybe he's just too cool for school. That's why. <laughs> Under um, I didn't like the, the way the centre box were like, just off really quickly, like, turn the box, Bosch, gone. Um, when, yeah. When Kirsty is fingering the box um, to start with, to, and, and, and Pinhead sees it, in the most stupidest way possible, he says, no, don't do that, when she's doing it. It's the way he says it, it was really badly delivered. And I think Doug Bradley actually is boss in his film, the way he delivers it. But the way he says, no, don't do that. I didn't like that at all. I was like, come on, Pinhead, mate. Um, and yeah, then the home, the the cackling skeletal demon bird was just fucking hilarious. Yeah, that bit is just jokes, isn't it? I mean, I don't know how they thought. I mean, it do, it does feel like maybe they ran out of money or people ran out of patience or I don't, I don't know what happened. Well, it felt with a bit tapped on to me. Yeah, it, it, it felt like they did the film. And they're like, we need something else. It's like yeah. reading. A- the Stephen King novel, it's like, oh, one chapter and the ending's done. And you think, oh, okay. It just felt weird. It just felt added on in the end that like they rewatched it and they're like, oh, we need some sort of link between the house burning down and being back to the box being sold. The box needs to go back somehow. Let's just have the homeless man be a skeleton bird who laughs <laughs> all the way back to wherever this guy was. I wasn't a fan of that. Um, it's clearly obvious Larry is wearing... Um, somebody else's face, i.e. his own one, or Frank is wearing Larry's face. I mean, it's a, um, obviously it's a botched job because they had to quickly do it, but it's like, Kirsty, come on. He's clearly not wearing his own face. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know whether, because um, I'm sure that after the first Hellraiser, he, he sold the rights. So I think um, he sold the rights to... Um, what is it? New, New World Pictures or whoever it is. He, I think it was so, New he World sold Pictures. the rights. <laughs> he sold the rights for the the whole thing before he'd even seen what profits it was going to make because he was convinced that it was just not going to work. Mm-hmm. So I think because then what happened is he said it was the worst thing that he'd done because obviously it was a massive success, but then he had no part in the rest of the films going forward. So it yes. is entirely possible because then the the final scene with the dragon thing leaves it open for there to be another one. Because yep. then it he's back selling the box again. So um, I I don't know if that's it. May not. There may well be like some, but that could be an explanation for it. I know there was issues with. That's why they're all so shit. He he managed to maintain the character rights. I think so he can do. Or no, no, I don't think he's got the character rights either. Because now he still does the Hellbound Heart thing, but it's a completely. He's done like some kind of animals or like beasts or something. He had to sort of go more night breed and he mm-hmm. made like little figures, but it just didn't go as well. But yeah, Clive Barker's absolutely gutted about it. I'm not surprised. This, this, there's nine other films after this. Nine other. And I mean, oh shit. Exactly. The last two, I mean, we've got Doug Bradley in. The fifth one, I think it is. The fifth one is called Deader. Hellraiser Deader. I was like, that's not even a word. D E A D E R. Deader. I thought that kind of sums up to me the quality perhaps of what I'll be getting myself into. What's clearly a straight to bargain bin effort. Hellraiser Deader. Some of the dialogue and some of the, like, the acting was a bit naff like when um when the last person that uh, Julia brings in to be seduced comes in, Frank attacks him and he turns into Arnie. 
Like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you'll be able to do a better impression, but he just goes, get out of here. Get out of here. That's it. And the other guy's like really like naff, mockly voice. Don't let him kill me. I was like, what's going on here? Steptoe and Arnie going at it. <laughs> but he honestly goes, get out of here in Arnie's voice, which sounded like this. Get out of here. That's exactly what it sounded like. Um, <laughs> and I was like, if you go back and listen to it, you'll know what it means. This voice just changes. I get out of here. And um, did like that. A couple of nuns just walking through the streets of Wembley, really odd, when Kirsty collapses and these three faces just appear above her and like, hey, <laughs> you're, you're all right? It's like, what? That's really badly done. It's like, why are the ner- why are the nuns there? And I get really iconography, religious iconography, but like, why are they just there? And yeah, the way those three faces just appear as if they were just standing there, congregated together, couldn't do that in these times. But then, and it's like, hey, you're all right. It's like it's just really badly done. Yeah, there are there are some little bits and pieces, like just the, all the bits with the builders at the beginning was really oh, funny. Right. The removal guys were really funny. Yeah, so the way they're like blatantly ogling his wife <laughs> and his daughter. Yeah, and then his daughter as well. Yeah, they kind of like get a little bit rapey with her, don't like, they? Do you want to buy a bed? Yeah. He's like, not, 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 not really. No. Yeah, and they're like, and, and the wife, yeah, when she's walking up the stairs, they're just, just like dribbling, watching her, and even when she turns around to look at them, it's like, eh, and carry on. Really odd. Lots of very, very like of the time, but yes. I think I, I kind of like that, even though it really, really does suck. Um. I, I quite like the fact that there's shit bits in it and that they kept it in because you just don't like you see shit bits in films now and you're like oh it's really poor but I yeah. think like back then it's kind of almost like a retro charm to it where you're like Haha, that's awful yeah I agree <laughs> yeah I mean like, there's the, the doctor is like a discount Lionel Richie as well um oh, dancing on the ceiling um <laughs> to be fair though there wasn't like anything other than like those little bits about the ending which which niggled me. I don't think there was anything in it which really made me think, oh, you dick, Barker. There was little little moments, like um, the beginning, when, when when they're piecing together Frank's face at the very beginning. I was like, did they shave his beard off? Yeah. He's, he's lacking facial hair, which he had in the last scene. Um, when I mentioned that they, Julia keeps putting faces whenever Frank's mentioned, but they do resolve that. Yeah. Um, the, 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 some of the voices and the dialogue's a bit cack. The nuns discount Lionel Richie. The fact that Frank's obviously clearly wearing someone else's face. Pinhead saying, no, don't do yeah. that. And the, the ending. So there wasn't anything <laughs> like which really bothered me. It's just like little things which you pull out. But like you say, if you take it at face value, they're kind of like the retro charm, like the, the dialogue or the way that it's, um, the way that it's said. You can, you can get past that. I think that there's a lot of this film that... Um obviously led on to to other films i can see a lot of inspiration from other you know like the matrix and things like that but i think there's just um there's something about this film and i think it kind of lies in the fact that it deals a lot with taboo and there's um Mm -hmm. but it's done so it's so simple and so obvious when you really think about it like oh you know yeah you know they got white skin and black clothes on there's flowers and blood Mm -hmm. there's you know, um, monogamy and the other one, <laughs> polygamy, polygamy, and just yeah, and this whole idea—you know, just all the opposites and the—I just think it's there's something really great about it that they ruefully didn't carry on to the other ones because they should have just let Clive Barker have a have a. I think if Clive Barker had had a better say in it, then this this could have been quite a big franchise. No, but yeah, luckily I agree. it stands up on its own, just as the first one. I mean, 
you know, and like we said, you don't even need to have seen the film. Yeah, that that's the that's the solid point. That Hellraiser itself yeah. is a film that stands on its own. It yes, the end the ending, even though you could look at it and be like, oh, that is that could set up a sequel. You know, when I watched it yesterday, that didn't really dawn on me. It's just it just it, to me it just felt like you know the 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 horror never ends. That you know it's 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 taken Frank and Kirsty's beaten it per, per se. But someone else is going to have to go through this. Someone else is going to have to do it. It never ends. Hell and time is is transient. It never stops in heaven. So uh, that's how I took it. But I guess yeah, you could also look at it as this is setting up more. And had had Clive Barker done had more of a say in the subsequent films, like all of them, it could have been pretty sweet if they'd kept that level of. Um, well, I think like we've mentioned, I said I, I didn't really love to say, it, but the artistic license that he used, then it, uh, with a bigger budget. Who knows what we could have ended up with, but we didn't end up with it, unfortunately. We are apparently going to get a reboot. David Bruckner, Bruck, the, uh, the dude who directed VHS <laughs> and the Ritual, apparently, we'll say apparently it's pretty much confirmed now, as far as I'm aware, that he there is going to be a reboot and David Bruckner is going to be directing it. Are you uh, familiar with any of the films he's done? Um, I remember the cover for VHS, and yeah. I'm sure that I did watch... I'm, I'm sure I've watched... Some, it once maybe and just kind of forgot about it um i've heard it is quite good though vhs was all right um and the ritual mm. was for me the ritual was 80 percent really really good and the lo- i didn't like the ending i thought that was cack but um it's got some promise but just the, the whole idea of a reboot of kind of leading into what you just said about this could have been a pretty sweet franchise they're rebooting it what are you thinking about a reboot there's no there's no, no one's attached to it yet nobody Nobody knows who's going to star in it. Apparently, it's going to be loyal yet evolved. So it's going to be as faithful, but they are going to take some different um, path with it. So, what are you thinking about a a reboot? And would you be open if the first one does well to you know rebooting it completely and having two and number three have nothing to do with the other ones? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm always interested to see um, you know when people reboot things how how it's going to be um i find that i often don't like reboots Mm -hmm. and i like to think that isn't because i've got this big you know boner for the original and i can't see anything else but i do just find that you know they rebooted fright night they recently rebooted the grudge they there are a lot of reboots coming out at the moment that are just tosh and i think i worry because of David Bruckner's past movies and the fact that I haven't really seen any of them and just from their covers, I don't think I'd necessarily want to. Mm. It just makes me a bit worried that it's not... it. It's Because I, I just think there's so much opportunity with, with the whole franchise, especially with a reboot. I'd be interested to know... Um, kind of what, what bits they're going to stay faithful to, whether it's going to rehash any of the first one or whether it's but yeah i I mean i'd definitely be going to see it i mean jesus take my money yep jesus wept i'd um i'd definitely go and see i'm I'm interested in it but uh cautiously optimistic because who knows what they might if if they keep the cenobites faithful to how they were in this film just like the like the, the silent menace great don't turn them into killing machines but obviously the graphics will be updated, but I'd love to see them return to more practical effects. Don't just hit us with CGI. Mm. Give us that practical effects. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what they changed. Hopefully the parts of the ending, 
and um, don't but don't make it. I wouldn't. I would like a reboot to be standalone, like you said about this film. I'd like to, them to reboot it as Hellraiser, and that's it. Not have seeds placed, like obviously for a sequel and beyond. I don't want it to feel like yeah. it, if it bombs, we've got a film which is tapped, which is teasing other stuff which we're never going to see. I want it to be a film that stands by itself. Um, the ritual, I thought the ritual was decent. I, I really liked the character interaction in that film. Uh, VHS was a decent little collection of films. So I mean, I'm interested in it, and um, I'm glad that they got. I'm glad that they got someone like David Bruckner and haven't gone for a like all, all respect in the world. I haven't gone for a bigger name to kind of say like we're we're we've got this classic iconic franchise Hellraiser. We've got this iconic director. Blah blah blah. You know they're keeping it. Yeah. You know keeping it real. They're keeping it on the deal somewhat. Uh, obviously, it depends on who they cast. Everyone's going to be asking who's going to be uh, who's going to be Pinhead, because as we saw of the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot in twenty ten, when they had Jackie O'Halias Freddy Krueger, that didn't go down well. I didn't actually mind his Freddy. Yeah. It was a different Freddy. I didn't mind it, but when you cast or recast iconic, certainly in horror like, like characters, it you know you're almost like you're in a hide to nothing to start with. Yeah, and I think especially with someone like Pinhead, because it's not, you can make anyone look like Pinhead, I can make myself look like Pinhead, but mm. I wouldn't be able to act like him and have, you know, it's all about the presence, and yeah. I think that's the same with, you know, there is, Robert England is Freddy Krueger, I mean, there's no way that you can even deign to replace him, so, yeah, yeah. and I think some of the, the, the thing with the remake and the way that they played him is it was, it was still too close to the original. So mm-hmm. it just made you want to go and see the original again. It didn't make me, whereas I think with this, hopefully if they, if they try to obviously keep it, I'm saying this as if it's bloody easy as well. Like, you know, just go <laughs> around him. We'll do it. We'll do it. I mean, funny you should say that. I, um, I, I think I already teased this on a, on the evil dead one, but um, I wrote a whole justification for how this could be rebooted with as a crossover with Evil Dead. You did, and, and I remember saying we've got a Hellraiser show coming up in the next few weeks. So let's uh, maybe spill some beans. Any beans to spill there, or is it still under wraps? No, it's, it, it would never work because of the rights <laughs> and everything, and the two directors coming of together course, yeah. probably wouldn't work. But um, on a story level, though. On a story level, do you want me to give you a famous synopsis? Too damn right, I do. So you know, at the beginning of Hellraiser, where they go into they go into the like loft and they find where he's been living and where he's like melted or spunked or whatever yeah. it is that he's done, and there's like nice. a picture of a woman that she keeps. Yes, she like sees a picture of him and some naked woman, and she like keeps it. So the remake is that woman. And she goes to the cellar that he goes to looking for the puzzle box. And she's like, I know that Frank like came to you and she's really pregnant. She's like, I know that he came to you. Just give me what you gave to him. I want to know where he is. And instead uh-huh. of giving her the puzzle box, he gives her the Necronomicon. And then they, it cuts like 10 years later and her mum, like, so she's given birth now and she's got a daughter and she's grown up and everything. Mm-hmm. And they're now moved. They, she's managed to buy the old house in England. She's been on this massive quest for years to find him and can't find him. And obviously the daughter's a bit like, oh, you know, my mum's a bit fucking nuts and everything. And now she's bought this house. Um, and they're moving all their stuff. And it's like, uh, like Frank's old stuff. And it's mm-hmm. the Necronomicon, and she's got the car from Hellraiser, and then it starts tracking her. 
and she's like going to read the Necronomicon and she's like no 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 I'm going to leave it I'm going to leave it but the whole plot of it is that she eventually you know she gets they've moved to a new place she gets some friends over they have a housewarming um she spills the daughter gets cut on the floor so it's uh-huh. family blood again that brings him back yep but also uh, someone else reads the necronomicon so and one of the clandarian demons goes into frank so frank is regenerated the cenobites are after him but he turns into a a clandarian demon from evil dead so then you've got the spirits and the Cenobites fighting it out against who's going to get his soul. Well, this sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I'm sitting there listening. I'm sitting there staring at the screen and watching your sound waves go up and down. It's like, I'm like proper like digging this as if I was like a studio exec but about to pitch and um, about to accept this film and give you the money myself. <laughs> Honestly, so I was so excited about it when I did it. I was like, "This is a fucking sick." What's going to say? Where it would definitely work. Where does it come from? So, what, what? Again, I don't mean to sort of go on an origin story, but what, what on earth did you just sit down and watch the film one day and be like, "Do you know what would work?" Meshing these two together, or was it, were you hammered, or what? Because it's also it's because like, no. I know what you're writing is like. It's very detailed. It's and it's very good. Um, so people should check it out. We'll give the link later on. But I just wondered, obviously, it kind of come out of left field somewhat. It was just uh, the we with like all the uni assignments, they kind of give you three options to go with. Um, yeah. One of them was like write an essay about our franchise or whatever. One of them was do something else, and the other one was write a script yeah. about and reboot a popular franchise. And I was like, oh, I don't really want to do that. You know, people were doing. Pixar things and I was a bit like I don't really want to write a script it's not my bag and then just I was having a shower one day and it just popped in there sorry and it was really uh, it was like really really late at night and the next day I was sat outside my lecturer's door as he rocks up and I was like I've had an idea you got dressed in the shower (laughs) you just still in your towel and wet hair yeah no yeah i've just been there all night <laughs> oh i just had this idea one evening and i was like shit and the next day i like i think it was the earliest i ever went into uni and i was just sat outside of his door and he was like what the fuck and i was like i've had this amazing idea <laughs> crawled along the floor like frank grabbed his leg <laughs> get out of here yeah, don't like look it. at me yeah. <laughs> <Do the Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> i just like the idea of it because in theory like on a story level it, it, it could work. Do you know what I mean? It, it, I mean, I've, that, I, we've only just heard, and all of our listeners, God bless you all, have all just heard the sort of top level synopsis. But it could work if you ask me. I had to write the opening few pages and then a justification. It is all on my blog. If you want to check it out, <laughs> how have I missed that? Because I've gone through your blog like a absolute oh, crazy stalker it, yeah. to check out your work. Because I, I, I honestly, when I say check out blogs, I, you know, I've read bloggy stuff. It's good. Bloggy's work is very good. It's not just, I like this film because the man in it was handsome and the lighting was good and visually it was very nice. Yeah, justification for everything. It's really good. Check it out, that guys. That is we'll really give that why link. I like the film, though. Yeah, because Ryan Gosling got a big willy. I think whatever we said in The Conjuring. <laughs> no, his eyes are too close together. But That's if right. he offered, I wouldn't say it no. Said, yeah. That's and it. I'd write a tell-all expose. That's it, about Ryan <laughs> and That ended up being like the catchphrase of episode two of Death by Pod for me a couple of years ago. Yes. Um, yeah. So let's move on then. Hellraiser. Hill, wasn't it? Yes, and then look at where we are now. Christ. So Hellraiser, I think it goes without saying, but, you know, somebody asks you, "Can I? I've got this DVD. Shall I watch it? It's called Hellraiser. You recommend this film? Yes, 100%. 
that was the most obvious. Yes, cool. So so am I as well. I've actually got the box there, and it literally is a box. It's the Lament configuration box of like the first <gasps> six films. Oh, that's really good. So you didn't it's... get all the shit straight to TV ones in there. Uh, I think you've got a couple of them because uh, I remember oh. one of them, and I was like, "This is really weird." Like, there's like there's faces on a wall or something like, and there's like really like a plush pad. Um, I've only seen the other ones once, but, but it's a really cool little box. Obviously, you have to open it all up, and it all opens out like the box. And Pinhead didn't come for me, so kind of felt a bit cheated there. But um, no, he came for me. Uh, <laughs> well, there you go. Then you know, t- he tore your something apart. It's a sexy horror movie. We can be. We can be carry on, can't we? Um, yes, oh, we, matron. You, oh, oh, matron. Oh, matron, yeah. Pinhead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pinhead. Why do I call you pinhead, man? Um, oh, pinhead, shut your face. Just a pin, please. <laughs> How many nails would you like, madam? <laughs> One nail or two. Yeah, we can get sexy with the Cenobites because, yeah, pinhead looks like a bit like, like, it's like a condom. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> it is a sexy horror film. If you know it, but it's not like a it's not like a romantic one. But it is there is that kind of like dirtiness which which appeals to people, like in the back of your psyche or something like that. You kind of like watching, you know, you, you kind of feel like you shouldn't be watching, but you want to watch. You know what I mean? Like this um, extra marital affair or premarital affair going on, and it's all a bit it's all a bit naughty, and the stuff that Frank likes getting up to, and the Cenobites and their pleasure and pain and what they're offering. And that's the kind of different path that this film went, and I think it did work. So Hellraiser, the first one, spot on. Um, I've got to ask in the, in all the films we've done, where does it where does it kind of sit? Top, middle, bottom? Ah, oh, top. It sits above Fright Night. Yeah. What was yeah. number one? Was it Crawl? Am I saying Crawl? Was that wrong? Yeah, I think it might have been actually. I think it was. I, it was <laughs> I stand by that. Yeah, I stand no, by that. It's fair enough. Um, yeah, it goes into the top echelon to me, not just because it's a classic, but it is just a you know for its for its flaws and its charms, it is a decent, a very decent horror film as well. So um, that's what we thought. We asked you guys out there, the best damn listeners in the whole of the horrorverse, what you thought of Hellraiser. Yes, we did, and Luke Summerfield said. The box you opened, we came. His face is etched into my memory. I remember the poster from the old video world. I can't remember much of the movie, to be honest. Crying face emoji. Nice, nice one, Lukey boy. <laughs> and Ashley Epley said, Well, Hellraiser, Pinhead, and the rest of the characters initially scared me, but unfortunately the plot I totally didn't get at all. But the movie should be proud in making one of the scariest iconic monsters in Pinhead. I can't watch the movie about being lost and having the quivers. <laughs> no, fair enough. But Ashley, you're top. Ashley, fair enough. Ashley's been digging the show recently. I really, really appreciate your messages. So thank you very much for that, Ashley. Uh, friend of the show, Behind the Screams podcast. We may or may not be on that guy's show in a few weeks' time. Spoiler, we are. Um, we may. <laughs> we, we may will be on there uh, talking some uh, Halloween seasons of itch. Uh, Behind the Screams podcast, I said, I love this movie. By far the best in the franchise. The design of the Cenobites is awesome. The movie really gets under your skin. Some of the most iconic imagery and lines in the world of horror. And I have it on um, good authority that this is one of Ian's favourite horror films. Uh, Pumpkin Spice Podcast, the lads, were not an alt-right horror podcast. They said, watched it recently for the first time. Didn't realise how sexy that movie is. Which is exactly what you've just said. The Pumpkin Spice Podcast has a wonderful voice. But yes, didn't realise like yeah, it's a very sexy movie. Yeah, it is. I'm it not is. wrong. At least I'm not the only one that thinks that. No, I think a lot of people out there do. It's kind of like it is like a sex horror. 
solidarity with pumpkin spice there. Nick, shout um, out. All right, I'm going to do this name of real injustice. Uh, Trevor Pichelli. Yeah. Dropped a who you call him, pinhead, Patrick Spongebob gif. And the man that is Nick Hendrickson, another friend of the pod, not bad, but not great at times. Love the makeup special effects, but the others were just bad, even for the times. I wanted more of the Cenobites. I didn't like the ending. It felt cheap. But overall, an okay movie. I'd give it 2.5 klaxons out of 5. <laughs> Sound the klaxon 2.5 times. <laughs> yes! What a klaxon. Yes. That's our klaxon. Nick, that's your klaxon as well. Be forever in your heart and your mind. Tonight, there's a couple of... Um, <laughs> considering that this movie's held up, this, the responses that we got there, that they're the some selection we got, it's a bit mixed, isn't it? Mm, yeah, it is. Um, I think it's one of those films. Would it be a film about opposites and polarising sadomasochism if it didn't uh, divide opinions, then? No, you're right. And I like a film that... Nailed um, it. You, <laughs> you pinheaded it. Um, I, yeah, it'll come back to <laughs> Senate bite you on the ass. I um oh. I like a film. Oh yes, all right then. All right then, larby your neck. I like when a film <laughs> can make you feel something, and even even if it's good or bad, that a film has to elicit some response in you. And even if it's negative, then it's done its job. You because you do get that might sound stupid. Trust me, I've sat through many films where I've watched it and literally just kind of been like uh, and got on in my life. There are those films that just don't affect you in the slightest. But then you get films which do or don't, and many of the films I like where you where you feel something. And Hellraiser is going to get that from people. So, yeah, thank you, everybody who sent messages in. For those who we didn't feature, I keep sending them in. We'll get them on a on, a, on another episode. And if you want to send your thoughts in via a voice audio clip, we'll give you the email address at the end of the show for that. But we always end off Def by Pod with the Def by Pod game. Yeah, there you go. End it off with the game. And this time, um, I'll come up with this one. And... Um, it's going to be it's going to be a fun, I hope, but it's going to be quite tough. It's Death by Pod anagram game. We we have to give each other three horror films. However, the names have been jumbled up into some sort of anagram, and the other person has got to try and guess what it is. Uh, Bloggy, would you like to go first? Yes, go on then. I have sent you my anagram. Oh my god! Oh my god! Am I dying? Jesus Christ! I think right. Would you like to read that one out? Which one? The one you've just seen. The first one. Yeah. Oh, uh, that that's they're they're all three of them. So the first one is Main oh, Dorms. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I was looking at thinking, what the fuck? That's a huge film. Um, right. Main Dorms. M A I M D O R M S. Main Dorms. Okay. Are we are we giving each other like a, like a clue as to how many words might be in this? Because you get anagrams which can be split to like seven words, but they're only like it could be like I don't know. The Exorcist or something. Oh, okay, okay. So these Should are all that? these are all one. I did like one word movie horror movie titles. Okay, right, so, so things got... like Hellraiser. So okay. there's not like the or I made okay. sure that it was quite straightforward in that oh, respect. Okay. Um, um, so the I first one. <laughs> what have you done to me? Uh, no, no, yours. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> just wait to see him. Um, well, it's got three M's. A horror film with three M's. Main Dorms. Um, um, it's quite a recent film. Um, nothing. Midsummer. Yes. Yes. Found yes. Because <laughs> 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 I was going to go for that one as well. <laughs> oh, sweet. Midsummer. M A I M D O R M S. For those of you who are counting. Oh, sweet. 
I can't believe I got one right. Okay then, I'm going to send you across one right. your one. I did. Well, now you've got to okay. get one right now. Here it comes. For those who can't see, the it is real relish. The film has got one word. Um and okay. Um. So real relish. Um. I'm not going to get any of these. Uh, oh, is it one... Hellraiser? Santa Claxon! Yes! It's Hellraiser. Yes! Real relish is Hellraiser. Awesome Wait, stuff. I'm proud of you. Well, no, we've done it. We've both oh, got a Claxon. Nick, I'll be happy. You never want to have my first Claxon in. Well, that's a bit personal, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's the first time you've been in a while, but um... <laughs> you opened the box and we came. <laughs> <laughs> Not the first time. <laughs> no, well, that's, that's how he had to do it. So, what's your second one for me then? My second one is Belly Ho. B E L Y H O. Belly Ho. One word is it? Yep. It's got a Y in it. To Hellboy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, right. Your second one is coming through now. It is sit them. S I T T H E M. This one is two words. Is the first word the? Yes. The mist. Yes. Sound of Claxon. This game's easier than I thought it was going to be. Of all of the games that I thought that I would get Claxons in, it was not anagrams. <laughs> you could blog. Oh, I sent by text blogging to say, "Oh, this is the um, this is the game this week." So I give a couple, a couple of days in advance because it may not be the easiest one to do. And she's like, "Oh shit, this is probably the worst one we could have picked." But I'll, uh, I'll do my best. Look at her running away with it. I turned around to Jack and I was like, I'm going to make... Honestly, when you sent me that text, I went, oh, and he went, what? And I went, oh, we're doing bloody anagrams, are you? He went, oh, no, you're not going to be very good at that. <laughs> I like the fact that you turned into like a little, a little like, oh, what is it, love? And sat down every tea. He's like, well, we're doing anagrams this week. And he put his it's hand on his shoulder. Like, well, you're not going to be again. great. <laughs> yeah, he's had a little shit again. <laughs> Next time I'll make sure there's no letters or numbers. Yay. Okay, so the third one. What's your third one? Um, arena Quint, which is spelled arena like an arena, and Quint like Jaws. Jaws, man. And this is one word. Um, yes, it's quite a difficult one, I suppose. It was arena. originally in another language. Oh fuck me! Um, arena Quint. Originally, I thought it was a but quiet the, place, the, but then you the said it's The title one. is the title is English. Do you know what? I think I might actually have this because the film you originally mentioned is uh, the the original film was on my uh, Blu-ray rack over there, and I spoke about it on another show about a week ago. The original film was Wreck, so this has got to be Quarantine. Yes, yes, yes. it is. Sound the klaxon. <laughs> I thought this would be hard. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I thought this was going to be like I thought. Oh, it's coronavirus. It's got a Q in it. He'll never get that. I only, it's only because we we spoke about it the other day, and I love the original film. Yeah, the oh, original is absolutely. I, I love what they did with that original film as well. How they turned the original film. Have you seen it? Shit out of me. Yeah, what wreck? It's good to like, shit out of me. Like everything, like all the others, like Wreck Two and Three. I've, and Four. Yeah, I've seen all of them. That's so fucking good, right? How yeah. they just changed the, the what it is. They goes from like zombie films to like possession Wedding. films to like. 
Oh, that's amazing. Even the third one, which was a bit pap at times, is a lot of fun. And then the yeah. fourth one, they're on a submarine or on a boat, sorry, which you think like, on a boat. But that, they split it, didn't they? Oh, Paco Plaza and... That's it. It's not like Rec 4. Because Paco Plaza and, and Halma uh, Balaguero, they both directed one and two together, but then they both each individually directed one each. So one of them did three, one did four. I think Paco Plaza did number three, and I think Balaguero oh, okay. did number four. And um, there's like a complete mesh in tone. But number three at the wedding is like a proper sort of like throwback 80s kind of film, whereas the fourth yeah. one is a little bit more in the vein of one and two, but it's not quite as good. I just like the way that she keeps saying Tranquila. Tra- tranquila. Oh, um. And Alalim. <laughs> Alalim. Oh, I love it. And um, what is it? Paolo. Paolo. Paprika. Right. Here we go. <laughs> Do you want to, this one? I'm sorry. This one is quite a tough one, actually. I didn't realise. Um, here we go. You want? You ready for your third one? Yep. I've just sent it. It's, Mo- <laughs> <laughs> it's Monica, as in Monica from Friends. Tightest, as in. You know, tight, tightest knot. It's four words. It's four words. It's four words. Is the first one the? No, I'm, oh. I, I feel like I should give you a help with this one though. Yeah. The first word yeah. is it. Oh, is it? Oh no. So Monica tightest. Um. Monica tightest. I don't know. Is it like is it co- it comes at night or something? Is that your final answer? Uh, I think yeah. I can't. I can't work it. <laughs> it comes at night. The fuck knows. It was three two. You needed to get this one to force extra time. Uh, Annoyingly enough, uh, I can uh, hear the klaxon. Uh, it is. It comes uh, at night. It comes I knew it was the night. name of a film, and I was just definitely like, the name of a film. Uh, <laughs> Is it a horror film though, or is it like you know, it's... you open the box and we came at night kind of thing? <laughs> it comes at night. Was, I thought it was boss. Lots of other people thought it was pat, but I liked it. So it's a tiebreaker. The, the, the music's playing. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm moist here. Is I'm, it? I'm cramped. I'm tense. It is, mate. I'm telling <laughs> it you. It is. So, oh, I can hear it now. So what have you got for me, Bloggy? Tiebreaker. You ready for this, Matt? A, let Ivy. A is spelled E H. Let for L E T. Ivy is poison ivy. Two words. That's a bit of a well. Yes, I don't really think it's a horror film. Now okay. I'm thinking the? about it. I think it's more of a sci-fi. But add a Y onto that there. They live. Yes. Okay, right. They live. Here we go, Bloggy. That, was, that wasn't fair, because it... <laughs> Your Can one you is Jin Knight She. G-I-N, N-I-G-H-T, and then She is in, you know, opposite of he. Is it The Shining? Sound of Klaxon. I'm not even dyslexic right now. Yeah, no, you're not. I think no, you're not. You are. You cured. cured yourself. Oh my god! Watching Hellraiser right. has cured me of my dyslexia. Okay, so for, all right for the final tiebreaker, then pick a film, and we've got a guest to release a year of it. <laughs> Fuck off! Because uh, then, because this could go on all night. Nightbreed. Oh, uh, so the what year Nightbreed came out. 
I generally have no idea. Hellraiser was what, 87? Yes. I reckon, I generally have no idea for Nightbraid, so I'm going to go 1988. You're close. Oh, no cigar? No cigar. Do I tell you what year now? It was 1990. Oh, I'm two years out, okay. Right. The rules of this game is if, if Bloggy gets it straight, gets this one smack on, she wins the game. Don't win any money, but she wins the game. If Bloggy gets it wrong, she has to be within one year. Or else I win, because I was within two years of the game, of the date. So are you ready, Bloggy? I'm ready. The film, you've got to tell me the release fee- year was, is A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Oh, 1983. <laughs> what? The answer the is not 1983. <laughs> the answer is 1985. Oh, really? So it's a two-year difference. We've both missed out by two years. Shit the bed. All right. So what okay. do we do? Now? For, um, uh, think, find, think of another film quick, and then do exactly the same. Um, um Beetlejuice. What year did Beetlejuice come uh, out? Nineteen ninety-two. No, it wasn't. It was nineteen eighty-eight. Fuck. Four years. Shit. Okay. Um. Okay. For you, what year did The Exorcist Two come out? Ooh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go early eighties again. Nineteen eighty-one. So how many years out was I? Four years. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, nineteen eighty-one. The Exorcist, Exorcist Two: The Heretic was released in nineteen seventy. Nineteen seventy-seven. Is that three years? That's four years. Oh, yeah. We both hit four years again. Um, uh, we'll go one more time. Oh then. God, it's not gonna stop. One more time, and then otherwise we're gonna. One just more time. Like a gladiator, oh. a jewel. Hostel. What year did Hostel come out, Matt? Oh shit! Tell um, me. Two thousand and six. Oh, two thousand and five. Fuck. But one year. Oh shit, one year. That, that, that helps me out, actually. Right, um, okay, for you. So one year. Nine, oh, so I'm one year out. So your film is Night of the Living Dead, the original. Uh, the original Night of the Living Dead. Yep. Uh, 1968. The final answer. <laughs> yeah. It's wrong, isn't it? It's very wrong. <laughs> So what was I? I was one year out. Blocky Balboa. Night of the Living Dead was released in 1960. Eight! Sound of Bash! Bang! Blocky! <laughs> He's like the longest penalty school out of all time. She's won. 1968. Oh, brilliant! I will tear your anagrams apart. <laughs> I'll just, uh, yeah, I'm not going to go there. Yes, tear them apart. 1st of October, <laughs> 1968. I will tear you apart. Well, thanks for playing, Bloggy. Uh, that was an interesting one. That's how we think on our feet on Death by Pod. I hope you enjoyed the game. Maybe you did better than us. Maybe you did worse than us. But at least, you know, you had a damn good time playing along. Well done, Bloggy. <laughs> 
Do you know what I was going to, you know how I usually come in with a pun? Yes. I, I wrote on my little thing, like, oh, like, say something like we're going to tear your pod apart. And I thought, no, because when I say it, it's just going to sound disgusting, isn't it? Do it anyway. Oh, I don't know how I, I would have been like, oh, hey, it's me. We're going to tear your pod apart. And it just would have sounded. <laughs> talking about sexy no horror. Was, yeah, talking about sexy horror. But yeah. I, I, bloggy bubbles <laughs> in like that. Yeah. I had it on there like until like right until the crunch point when we were about to record. And then I was like, I'm not going to say that. I actually censored myself. But then I ruined a good act because I brought it back up again just no, now. But... They brought it up and now it's kind it's of ruined the end the show. of the show and no one listens <laughs> to the end probably. So... <laughs> yeah, you've ruined the show now because of that. Piss, so... piss, piss. <laughs> I like the fact that you actually have notes as well. That's that's really sweet. So, Bloggy wins the game. <laughs> Hellraiser wins today. What we got coming up on the next show, we're talking about Neil Marshall's The Descent. What year did that come out, Bloggy? The Descent, I think it's pronounced. Yeah, The Descent. <laughs> I think it was 2006, but let's have a look. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think it came out in 2009. Oh, 2005. Oh, so I was so wrong. So we're talking about The Descent on our next show, so I'm looking forward to that. But as I said, that's it for this episode of Death by Pod Bloggy. Thank you so much for coming on and giving your time. If the world out there wants to read you and after your synopsis earlier on, they should. Where can they? Uh, you can find me at Bloggy Balboa on Twitter and Bloggy Balboa on WordPress. Yeah, open a blog and yeah, pleasure. Um, so for me, oh, what Jesus. I watch tonight, <laughs> UK uh, for me. Uh, follow me Twitter, Instagram. What I watch tonight, and um, I haven't got anything to say other than like Bloggy. I've got sites to show you, haven't I? Uh, Jesus wept. I don't know. Lick your lips. So that's me <laughs> from this show, Bloggy. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Thank you for bringing the tone of the entire show down. Oh, I, didn't think it was I really, possible. really didn't mean to. I'm so sorry. We have no, there is no filter on this show apart from we don't usually drop one particular word. I think you have done once. But anyway, until next time though, thank you guys for listening, for putting up with our with our madness for one more week. Until then, it's see you from me and from Bloggy. It's bye. Bye.